think I literally like gathered the cash we had in the house and was thinking like, how long is this going to last us? Like I had no idea what our finances looked like. I didn't know if we had any savings, you know, like I just didn't, I didn't know anything. And I was just like, okay, well, and he didn't, you know, he wasn't gonna have a job and okay, here's what we have. Like, what? I wonder how long we can have buy food with this. I mean, I never was like afraid we were going to starve or anything like that, but just like being like, okay, all right, this is, this is where we're at. We got this cash and I know we have this. I'm Aaron Rose, and this is Kingdom Come, a Sound of a Rose podcast. What I ended up doing is we were going to do these things. Uh, I was not going to press charges, but what we were going to do was we were going to require a full-on audit that Jeff had to do. As hard as it was going to be, you need to look at seven years worth of bank statements, checks, everything, and decide what in that was money that you used inappropriately. What what in that was money that you used for yourself. And then we were gonna do an audit ourselves after his audit. And then we were gonna find a number that we felt comfortable with. And he was gonna trust us to do that, to find whatever number and he was gonna pay that back. So the only time I ever saw Jeff in 2015 was when we were getting together in these big groups, his community, my community, and then maybe some other people, like I said, Braun, some other people that were helping. They were meetings to discuss the plan. Once Robin Haley had determined that Jeff needed to do a self-audit, Jeff went back to Igniter to go through all his documents, receipts, and other stuff to do a self-audit to figure out exactly how much he did steal. It was one of the most important steps that I had to do, and it was, uh, it was a low in some senses. I got to go back. It was a gift that I got to do that. But I had to sit by myself in a, in a building I helped design. <laughs> we had just built a new building for the company. And I tore through seven years of financial documents to try to figure out uh, what I'd done. And it just was a lonely place, you know, um, as you take inventory of your mess, you know, it's just is, it's hard to look into the mirror, uh, knowing that uh, even as I'm looking into the mirror of what I've done, that um, the gravity and depth of the pain I had caused, um, just how manipulative and just how sinful it was, was heavy. And speaking about this heaviness, Rob's wife, Haley, talks a little bit about the long-term impact the betrayal had on Rob. It was like a year later, or even maybe two years later, where we were talking, we were talking through that As we were walking, we were talking about his innocence being lost and how he had to learn to retrust. And it wasn't that he wasn't trusting other employees, because he was. It just, it's not going to be a blind trust anymore. When Rob had a hard time going to work, it made me so sad because he used to love going to work. And he hated going to work because it felt like he was pushing a a boulder up a mountain. Stacy, Jeff's wife, expanded on the long-term damage. As has been stated multiple times, Jeff was of two minds. And so as she would remember and look back at photographs of vacations or other memories, she has to ask, which Jeff was that? Was that the Jeff that was lying, deceiving for seven years? Or was that Jeff the one that I know, the great father and great husband? After sharing a story about him lying to her face and her believing it, she summarized by stating one of the hardest things for her to reconcile. And that was one of the things that was so hard to deal with, right, was to realize how easy it was for him to lie to me so convincingly. Um, so, yes, I'm trusting. And, but also, unfortunately, he's a good liar. 
And um, that really sucks as a wife. Back at Igniter, Jeff is wrapping up his self-audit. You know, we got to a point where I'm trying to organize it and, and I'm trying to remember even things that didn't show up on paper, like bonuses I gave myself unauthorized, right? Or, or a little money that I added to my salary or, you know, I think Rob only that year gave me a $3,000 pay raise and I took four, you know, or whatever it was. And I ended up with a, uh, a significantly thick document. And I just remember driving home after five days of it and it just felt heavy and disgusting. So Jeff, I believe it was May, Jeff basically presents a 70 plus page audit and he lists out things. He even divides it into camps. Like these are things I know these are things that I spent on myself. These are things that I most likely did. And I, I wasn't sure. So I went ahead and put it in. And he goes, and then this third area are things that, yes, I didn't get permission to spend this money, but if I had, I bet you would have allowed me to do it with a company card. For instance, his accounting license fee, things that he never, he just would pay for it with the company money and not tell me, you know, so things like that. So we had some different buckets. And so we looked through and, and honestly, I, I've joked about it. Like that was one of the greatest accomplishments he ever did at our company was this audit. This audit was pretty spectacular. It was very helpful, but it showed the, the amount and the amount was higher than he thought. The amount was higher than we thought. Um, so now we're talking, you know, we're into six figures now. Um, we're into total stolen, probably about a quarter million. Through the last couple of years, he had been paying some of that back because of some of the gambling uh, things, the buying sports tickets uh, and trying to resell them for more. He would use us as a bank in some ways, and he would put money back in as he's trying to pay back and make his little profit. Um, there were still a healthy six figure out that he still owed. So we were not in a great place, and and it definitely affected our company. We we couldn't hire people, we couldn't give raises. Uh, we had to eventually let certain people go. So um, some people lost their job in connection indirectly to this. And, and, and not just that, what 2015 and 16 felt like for me was I felt like I was pushing a boulder up a hill and there was never relief from it. Just constantly pushing on this thing, trying to get our company back to a healthy spot. You know, I just thought, you know, this is not redeemable. Um, uh, one day in particular would have been in February. My birthday's in February. And I just remember this is not a knock on anything, right? But <laughs> just not a lot. It didn't get a lot of birthday wishes that day. And uh, I think, you know, most people just didn't know what to say. And I think uh, people wanted to wish happy birthday. But either way, it just was this tangible moment of, man, I've wounded a lot of people. And, uh, and it wasn't even like the lack of text that came in. I just remember kind of going, man, I'm... Uh, this feels like a long way from uh, redemption. So I'm throwing a pity party for myself, uh, and my wife's checking in on me, sending resumes for jobs that I didn't even want, and uh, I just kind of complained to uh, my wife that employers don't throw parades for white-collar criminals. Who's going to hire me? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And, and my wife's just kind of praying for me, and I kind of run off to our closet and lay on the ground. It's dark. It's just kind of dark in my soul too. And uh, just kind of felt that whisper of the Lord as I'm kind of throwing a pity party as my head's starting to spin to some even darker places. And I just remember hearing the Lord go, man, Jeff, employers don't throw parades for white collar criminals. I throw parades for white collar criminals when they repent. And then when they walk in my ways, I redeem them. 
where do we go from here was really the question. What, what now do I do with, with my friend Jeff betrayed me um, in, a, in a pretty significant way. It was easy at the beginning to just focus on the money. You know, well, well let's get right with the business side. I'm going to wear my business hat and, and I'm going to focus on that. It's impossible to describe the fallout of an event like this. On one hand, you're wondering, where's the grace? Where's forgiveness? On the other hand, years of stealing, years of deceit, how can you begin to forgive? I asked Clint, both an employee of Igniter and a member of Jeff's community group, how could he forgive Jeff? Years of lying to him in community group. Years of stealing from the company that he's at. How do you begin this process? How do you trust someone like this? Why even try? I mean, Aaron, even at the end of our first meeting where he confessed all this, I, I just knew. I just knew this wasn't something that I would hold against him because I know the depth of what I'm capable of. And we have a merciful God who repeatedly forgives me. How could I not do the same for him? Similarly, Jeff's wife, Stacy, talks about the process of forgiveness and the transformation in Jeff's life. I got to see like a miracle happening at our kitchen table, like with him just every morning he was up and he was in God's word and he was just relentless about pursuing righteousness and healing. He was emotionally fragile there was like, yes, like I've done the right thing and I'm on the right path. And like, there was the freedom and the joy of that. And then there was like, oh no, everybody's going to know. What are they going to think about people? What people are talking about me and people are not, you know, like I've ruined my life. And, you know, it was just like up and down and up and down. It sounds so cheesy, but it's so true. Like there was like a light in his eyes again. I was like sad to realize, like I hadn't noticed that it had been gone. It had been kind of a slow fade, I think. And I had so many excuses of just, you know, busyness and tiredness and whatever that I was like, yeah, yeah, I know this guy, you know? And it was just so evident to me that he was changed. And just as, as a Christ follower who has been forgiven, like the forgiveness is just, it, it was just, it was a given. Um, now, the trust and the reconciliation and the, like being at peace and all of that is much more of a process. All right, I get asked a lot, uh, did you tell your kids? And, uh, you know, at the time, my kids were seven, five, and three and, uh, and six months. Answer is yes, so we did. I just wanted to live in the light. Four days after, uh, I confessed to everybody. Uh, me and my wife sat down with our kids. You know, we told our kids and a uh, sweet family moment. Uh, my three-year-old, I don't think, stayed at the table too long. But my seven-year-old and my five-year-old, as crazy it is, they could understand what was happening. And, and I just said, Dad tested the warnings of Scripture and stole money from somebody that um, just stole money. What does the Bible say about that? And they said, that they say that's wrong. And uh, I said, yeah, I tested that. And um, and there's pain that's now going to be in our lives because of that lost our job. And but I said, for now on, Dad's going to test the promises of Scripture. And uh, in a sweet moment with our kids. And one of the ways I told them, you know, is, hey, Dad's going to go um, get well at a ministry called Regeneration that we have here. Regeneration, or Regen, is the name of Watermark's biblically-based 12-step program. 
you know, I've talked about, man, I hated who I was, but I, I longed to be, I hated who I was not. And I, I longed to be this person. Region was this discipleship track that helped me get going in the direction of who I wanted to be. And so I really, I trusted that process along the way, right? I also am trusting Rob and his community group on, on what that needs to look like uniquely in my situation. But I just, I tell my kids, this is what's going to happen. My kids know the journey I'm on. We begin going to regeneration. And for the most part, we really let the steps of regeneration begin to play itself out. It's like the business side had to be right. We had to get that right before we could start the process of the friendship because that, for whatever reason, that's what felt right for both of us. So for me, it was the right call to, to put some space between us. That was just mutual. We just, I mean, he was working on himself. He was, you know, there was a lot going on with Jeff in 2015 where God was doing a, a major work in his life. I just think the hardest thing for Rob and I is we were so close, you know, we're such good friends. And, uh, you know, my wife, we're in a covenant and uh, she's going to honor that covenant. And so we're going to stay married, right? That's what the Lord would have her do and have me do in that moment. And Rob's in a different place. There's wisdom in us splitting and going our separate ways. I still love him. And, and, I, and I wanted to be a part of Rob's journey in 2015. I'm sure Rob wanted to be a part of my journey in 2015, but we had to, be, we had to go our separate ways and me specifically work on myself. And I think that just was hard for us to go from somebody we, I saw almost every day for seven, for 12 years to um, we don't get to spend hardly any time together. And when we do, it's, uh, we're not laughing necessarily. By December of that year, Jeff fully paid off everything that he had stolen. It was more aggressive than our terms called for. His willingness to pay that back, his, his ability to pay it back so fast, it was a way for him to, that was an expression of, of love towards me too. Him saying, I want to pay it back. I'm going to pay it back. And the way in which he did it made me feel loved, honestly. One thing that happens in trauma and in grief is that people process and grieve in different times and in different ways. And one thing that's impossible to do in this podcast is to document each individual's path towards reconciliation and the exact timing. The last thing that I want to do is be inauthentic and communicate that everything just got better. Certainly, things have moved up and to the right, but it's more like the stock market where there are dips and dives and moments where things look great and you're never going to feel that pain again, and then it comes back. But isn't that just the process of following Christ? Uh, after I paid the company back, Rob and I then sat down in January and I made my full, I know I also hurt you in all these other ways, including financially. And so we just had a great me seeking forgiveness meeting. We met at Cafe Brazil. That place had meaning for us. It was the first place we ever met them. And Jeff basically went through about six buckets and areas that he, he said, I need to ask for forgiveness for this, for the money stolen, for all the ways I deceived. And then he goes, then I need to ask for forgiveness for the way I, I hurt your marriage because this brought a stress on you and Haley, and that was my fault. I hurt the other people in the company. You know, and so he just went through all these buckets, like, forgive me for this. And I was able to say, I forgive you. And he, he'd ask the next one. And of course, in my heart, I've already forgiven him. I want you to know you're forgiven. And so then it's like, okay, if, if he's truly forgiven, what is our relationship supposed to look like? You know, if, if I just went on my way and, never talked to him again and 
I don't know that I would be able to do that and still say with a clean conscience, I've, I've fully forgiven him. Because in a way, if he's not someone I care about, if he's not someone that I think about his kids, oh man, if I think about his kids, you know, am I praying for his kids? Am I excited to see his son? Or am I able to laugh with him? If I pass him at church, am I, is that weird? Or do I, do I avoid him? These are all the things you could go, technically I've forgiven him, but I'm not reconciled with him because I avoid him. Well, I didn't want to avoid him. I thought, no, if I'm going to forgive him, I don't want to be in a relationship where I avoid him. That doesn't seem right. I wanted all these situations that we valued to be natural again. Does this mean we'll work together again? Probably not. I wasn't assuming that. And we don't. We don't work together. Is there a scar that's always going to be there? Yes. So I wasn't trying to get things back to what they were. But I did want to have a relationship. When I see him, I'm excited to see him. When I see his family, I'm able to just wave to him, give him a hug. I can laugh with him. That was one of the biggest things is he and I used to laugh all the time. And so we went about a year where it was just, we, we couldn't laugh together. And I remember when we were finally able to laugh together again and be silly because we, ha- we weren't able to do that for a long time. And man, I missed it. I, I missed that ability. And that's part of reconciliation. Yeah, so uh, 17 months later, um, Watermark Plano called. Watermark Plano was a satellite campus of where Jeff and Rob attended. Rob Barry there um, said, hey, Jeff, uh, would you be interested in interviewing for a part-time or full-time position that we have available with the church? And I remember thinking, that's crazy. Um, (laughs) Specifically, I was like, Rob, you know what I've done. Rob Barry, not Rob Thomas, but Rob at Watermark uh, Plano. I was like, Rob, you know what I've done? And he goes, yeah, and we've watched you walk the road of repentance and we think you can help make our team better and lead our church in that regards uh that was conversation was probably in may of early may or early june of 2016 and by uh july 1st of 2016 i I went part-time at watermark plano and then by october or november i went full-time is forgiveness a, a one-time thing where I've offered it and now I, I, I live the rest of my days in a form of reconciliation or not? Or is forgiveness an, a living, active, breathing thing that you offer someone? And I don't know that I, I know the answer to that, but I, I do resonate with this idea that I continue to have to be intentional with how I view him, how I view Jeff through a lens of forgiveness. I have to remind myself he is forgiven. Not only did he ask for it, He received it. I constantly receive forgiveness for who I am, for what I've done. Lord's told me how to respond to him in this. And so when I hurt, when there are times where I um, maybe I'm feeling the pain of it, in that moment, I get to be reminded that he was, he's been forgiven. I have already forgiven him for this. So it's true that it's, um, you don't forget. And it's true that there are flare ups where it's hard again. Forgiveness is knowing that there is still gonna be pain off and on, high tide, low tide of pain, but you're not gonna hold it against him. I'm not gonna hold it against him. I'm gonna give it to the Lord. And, and here's what's great. As time goes on and you do that, the tide subsides. I don't have high tides like I used to. And, and that's a gift from the Lord. You know, my son is keenly aware that um, my stuff was financial sin, that it put our family in a hard place. And so anytime we go out to eat, he's, uh, he in particular is um, looking at how much the bill is, 
right? Uh, anytime there's something major that happens in our life that has a dollar amount associated to it, he gets nervous. He gets scared a little bit. The, there was an instance this last summer that we were driving. We were go have vacation in uh, Washington, D.C. And on our way there, we had a, a blowout tire. And so we take the car to a... Uh, 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 an auto parts dealership and, and we had to get four new tires and while we're there they tell me uh, you also need four new brake pads and um, yeah, it's twelve hundred dollars just like that uh, and my son's sitting there with the uh, guy who's telling us it's going to be twelve hundred dollars and immediately I see him tearing up you know and he's starting to go that's a lot of money I know that's a lot of money for us and and look we don't I don't want my son to worry about $1,200, but because of what I've done, um, he's more sensitive to our financial situation. And, uh, and so he teared up. And, uh, and so there's all sorts of those moments. The neat thing about that story is we just stopped and prayed in a little, it was NTB in Birmingham, um, Alabama. We just said, man, look, and this was with our whole family. It's like, God's been good. He's taken care of us. And he's taken care of us in a variety of different ways. It's not like money just has magically showed up, but there's just other ways that the, God, the Lord's taking care of us. And and do we trust the Lord? And we trust the Lord. And can we still have fun on vacation? Yes, we can still have fun on vacation. And uh, a little bit later, our community group, you know, um, heard about the situation, sent us some money and just said, hey guys, we love y'all. We're so grateful for your faithfulness. Uh, and we don't want you to compromise anything that you were planning on doing on your trip. And uh, and so here's some money to help pay for the car. And the reason why I tell that story and the reason why I just talk about all those like little lasting consequences is it's also been incredible opportunities for the gospel to just keep winning, you know, in the lives of my family and the lives of my wife and the lives of my kids. And I'm so glad I haven't hidden the story from them because they've gotten to see the gospel show up in unique ways. And it's not that the gospel shows up with money every time, but the gospel does show up with God's people all the time. Thanks for listening to Kingdom Come. The reason I tell these stories is because I want you to be encouraged. I think stories help fortify what we believe, and what we believe changes what we do. And what we do creates more stories. So if you have a story, I would love to hear it. If you are encouraged by this story, I would love to hear that too. So you can email me at Aaron at soundofarose.com. If you want more stories like this and want to support this work, Share this with your friends. You can give financially through Patreon and the link in the show notes. But most importantly, I want you to believe that if you have a relationship with Christ, if you've put your faith in him to save you, then you have the opportunity of being a part of his kingdom work. Being a Christian isn't just waiting until you die and get to be with him. It's the opportunity of now. I'm Aaron Rose, and this is Kingdom Come stories of his church.